I put up the first slide, and I'm seeing these, I'm going to call them geese. What do you think they are? What do you think? Seagulls, except they're black. Well, anyway, for my illustration, it doesn't matter what they are. They're birds flying, and they're free. They're doing what they were created to be. And it's a great picture as we think about breaking free from the law of sin and death and understanding the gospel that sets us free in Christ. And even those who may hear me on tape, I want you to picture this in your mind. We're looking up and we're seeing these birds flying free. But I want to kind of take your mind's eye down to the ground. And when you look down, you see the whole world as birds, let's say, in muck and mire like an oil spill. Did you ever see them on TV? And the creatures can't even move. And they try to move and you feel bad. Well, let me share this with you. That is a wonderful picture of the state of mankind before they believe in the gospel in order to fly free. And the legalistic, the law, here's what we do. These birds are stuck in the thing. And the one bird says, I can move my head. You can't. I'm better than you. I can, I can do this on my own. And the other bird says, yeah, but I can move to the right. You can only move to the left. One bird says, I can get my wing up. Look, I can move my wing. And that's what we do in our sinfulness. That's what the Judaizers were saying. You can do something to achieve a right standing with God. And Galatians comes along. Paul comes along and says this as I listen to Brian. It's kind of fear and trembling because if I don't preach the gospel right, I could be accursed. That's the value that Almighty God, through Paul, puts on the gospel. You and I want to get the gospel right. We want to know what we really believe. And we don't want to add or take anything away from the gospel. So Paul, who spent time in Galatia and led these Christians to the Lord through the gospel, hears that they're moving away from it. The Judaizers are getting them convinced well, yeah, but you need, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but you need to believe that you have to be circumcised, Jewish. And we have our stuff today. You got to go to church if you want God to be pleased with you. You got to be baptized in order to be right with God. We get baptized here to please God. It's a, it's, it's a command. But it has nothing to do with our salvation. 
And Galatians comes hard and strong as it should. And Paul comes hard and should, as Brian shared last week. There's no real fluff and nice introduction here. Right to the point. If I or any other angel or anyone preaches a gospel different than the one I first preached to you, let them be cursed. And he repeats it. Scripture, when Scripture repeats something like that, it's for the strength and the punch of it. Don't mess with the message of the gospel. And Lord, help us to get it right. We are in a condition before Christ, before we believe and put our trust and faith in the work of the cross, that we cannot do anything ourselves. Scripture says in Ephesians, we're dead spiritually. There ain't a whole lot of things dead people can do. And certainly not save ourselves. So Paul, whose character, uh, he's got plenty of zeal. And he's got a lot of gumption and go-how. And he'll, he'll tell you what he thinks. There's a story about Paul and Peter when Peter was slipping back into a little bit of the legalism. And Peter, he's one of the main guys, hung out with Jesus for three years. And Paul says, you're wrong, Peter. So, this section we're going to study today, the background of it is Paul's upset because the Galatians are veering off course desperately wrong. He's bringing them back, and the way he does it in the section I'm going to share with you today, we're all going to read it together. He tells his story. And this is a great portion. You can read a lot of Saul's story in Acts 9. Paul is telling his story when he was Saul. Did you get that? I don't want to confuse you. Because God changed his name. So we're going to read about the story of Saul being told by Paul. And he's doing it to give himself the proper place that God has given him, his authority as an apostle, as one who was given the gospel by Jesus Christ. So if you stand with me, we're going to read this. I'll get you started. You jump right in with me. This is Paul telling his story about Saul after his conversion. I Start with me. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my how intensely and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond men in age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of fathers. But when God, who set me apart, called me by his grace 
was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult in any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw the apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. He only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those, those elders. God, the gospel I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running by race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars gave me this, the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Thanks, you may be seated. Great story. We want to look just at three points that Paul tries to drive home here. And the first is the gospel that Paul preached came from God himself. If you go back to chapter 1, last week Pastor Brian said, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. 
So his apostleship was definitely from God. Now he's saying, I've got the authority to teach what I'm teaching because I didn't get it from men. Let me just read back. You don't have to look at it unless you have the Bible in your hand. In chapter 1, verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to encourage you this way. If you believe the scriptures, and sometimes people wrestle with this, how do we know this is God's word? Um, there's, a, there's a great study on how to be sure the 66 books that we have are God's word. I'm not going to get into that. That's not what the lesson's about. But here's my main thought. God saw to it that the 66 books are his word because he did not want to leave us without revelation. And I personally believe these 66 books are the only revelation by God himself. So part of the story of Saul is when he first got saved, and you could read the story of his conversion on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, bright lights, here's a voice, nobody else is hearing it, it's Jesus. What are you doing, Paul? Why are you persecuting me? Who is it? It's me, Jesus. And in a moment, he believed. That's a pretty strong way to believe. Not you and I don't always have that at our conversion, but it's still by faith. It's always by faith. Tom shared that before he prayed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to everyone who believes, who trusts, who puts their faith in the work of Christ and the cross. That's it. Can't earn it. And Paul wants us to know, and if this is God's word, God is telling us through Paul, I taught Paul personally. Now he goes on to tell this little story about this three-year venture. He was saved on the road to Damascus, continued to, to the Damascus city, and went to Straight Street. I hope it wasn't crooked. Straight Street. And Ananias met him there, touched and healed him. He was blind for three days. And then he says to us, I did not go to Jerusalem, and I think God intended that, because he wanted to tell us it was God who taught me and not them. It wasn't been wrong, I guess, to go to Jerusalem and be taught by the apostles. We're going to have a study next year about the apostles' teaching. We want to be able to sit under teaching that is biblical. That's God's instruction. But Jesus had a different mind for Paul, Saul, at this time. Now, I want to suggest to you that because of this verse here, I did not receive it from any man, 
nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ that Jesus continued to spend time with Paul. He went to Arabia. Then he came back, and he gives that a three-year period. So it's not clear that he spent most of the time in Arabia. When he came back to Damascus, is that the end of the three years? I want to suggest to you that Jesus was spending time with Paul, and he taught him. Now, what's really neat, in Damascus, when he first had his eyes healed, he began to preach the gospel. That's what God wants for you and I. When we have a powerful conversion experience of what the Lord tell somebody. That's what we want to do. But Paul, I'll call him a greenhorn, he needed to learn the scripture, and I believe, this is my opinion as I read the scriptures, that Jesus spent time teaching him personally. You remember the time, the two guys on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus comes walking with them, and he starts sharing the Old Testament of all the places that Christ the Messiah was in there. And they made the statement, did not our hearts burn within us? Jesus was teaching them. Wow. And I believe Jesus took the time because Paul was called, if you remember reading that, um, before he was in his mother's womb, to be called that he was going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And Jesus wanted to get him right. Paul has a lot of letters that he teaches us doctrine. And I believe that came from Jesus. So we can rely on Paul's teaching. He even wants us to know, I'm not lying here, this is all true. So he did not get the gospel from the apostles. He got it from Christ himself. Also, he wants us to know, put the next slide up, please. Later, the apostles and he get together, and they both agree. Their gospel was my gospel. My gospel was their gospel. Let me just read this again. After 14 years... He now goes back to Jerusalem. He was there earlier for 15 days. Not a long time to, to get things done. Just wanted to be acquainted with Peter and a couple of the other guys, James. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with the esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preached among them. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. They compare notes. What's the gospel about? Paul didn't want to have clashes going on, so he wanted to verify it. And it says this. Because they, he wanted to verify it, and they did. They didn't even compel Titus to be circumcised, who was a, who was a Gentile, because it's not part of the gospel. It's not works-oriented. They said they agree that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. 
All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along, which is, again, something that God wants the church to do. That's why we have benevolence here. We want to help those outside of our church who are in need, and even here, if we're down on our luck. That's what God wants us to do in the church, and Paul wanted to do it, and Peter, James, and John wanted to do it. So, he verified what the Holy Spirit taught Peter, and he verified what the Holy Spirit taught himself, and they connected. That's pretty cool. It's neat when us men on Saturday meet for a Bible study, and we're now more than halfway through Job, because we did... Job 22. It's neat as we read and we dig how the Holy Spirit gives us all insight because we have opportunity to share some things that we agree on. It's so wonderful to see how the Holy Spirit works in the midst of us in that Bible study. And that's what we can be assured here as each one of us study God's Word and study it correctly and diligently through the Holy Spirit, through the whole um, aspect of hermeneutics, where we look into the culture, the language. Um, There's so many aspects how to study God's Word, which I want to say, as a commercial, if you don't know how to study God's Word, we'll help you. We believe it's that important. So we want to be able, with the Holy Spirit's help, to come with the same conclusion of what God's Word is. I was taught this years ago, there's only one Holy Spirit, and He has one message through the Scriptures. We can't take out 25 different messages. We need to stick with uh, content. That's very important in Bible study. So that the Holy Spirit is teaching us. And we're trying to derive, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to tell me here? How do you want me to live for the kingdom? Then this last slide. The gospel of Christ, and that's the gospel Paul's preaching and Peter. They were his apostles. The gospel of Christ is the only hope for the world because that's what the Bible teaches. There is no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. That's in Acts 4, and it's talking about Jesus. When we think we can accomplish something that God's pleased with, we're in trouble. The Judaizers are saying, Jesus is good, but he's not enough. You've got to obey the law. What they didn't realize, and we're going to get there in Galatians. Oh, you want, to, you want to add circumcision to the gospel of Christ? Well, if you want to add the law, you can't just add one thing. You've got to take it all. You've got to obey every letter of the law to be able to do that. We cannot do that. We're going to learn 
that the law brings sin and death. Galatians tells us that the law, God had in mind to use the law as a schoolmaster to teach us, you cannot make it on your own. There isn't anything you can do to come in a right standing with God. God has done it all. Like the geese or the seagulls in the oil. They ain't getting out of there unless they have help outside of themselves. We're not getting out of or under the curse of God until we recognize and believe God became the curse for us. And as Tom said yesterday in Bible study so well, God took your filthiness and put it upon himself on the cross. Took our sins upon him. And he took his righteousness and, here's a big word, imputed it, gave it to us. Well, how do I get that? By faith. By believing there's no other way except Jesus. So that we can be prepared to tell the gospel. There are people now who even say, Judaizers were saying, it's Jesus plus. There's some people today in the Christian world that says, well, Jesus wasn't able to do enough. So here's what you have to do too. And they twist the scriptures. What was the one thing that Jesus said on the cross near the end of his death? It's finished. I flunked English, but my English teacher told me, you want to use different words for those things. So it's finished, done, kaput, over with, complete. God the Father was satisfied. That's why the curtain from the top, because here's the, the visual I get, God bent down and ripped it from the top to the bottom. The Holy of Holies is now open to everyone, not just one priest once a year in his lifetime. The gospel is for everyone. And wanting to try to understand where we are at hope, and I want to close with this to encourage you. Think through with it. Pray with it. If you're a part of hope, whether it's a member or a regular attender, um, hope has a vision that we want to encourage everybody these next few years. It's the, the up, in, out format. I want to get closer to God more than ever. I want to know who Jesus is more. I want Jesus through the Holy Spirit to start living in me more and more, moment by moment. That's not going to happen, but I confess that, and I get back in the race again. Lord, help me to live for you every day. And then we want to share that with each other. We want to be a church that loves one another the way God instructs us in here. And Paul did a whole lot of writing on that. Be devoted to one another. Care for one another. Share your burdens with one another. 
comfort one another. We want to get tight. And the only way we get tight is by letting the Holy Spirit live in us so that we produce Christ-like love and joy and peace. That is ours to have in Christ. That's part of the gospel. And just, just to encourage you, um, I'm working on this. I'm asking God to help me get better. But I've always tried, when the opportunity came, to share Christ with people that I meet or run into. Luane and I try to do that. Two quick stories that are just opportunities to trust God that he can work in their hearts. Don't know if you knew this, but we've had a mouse infiltration. Pretty bad. So we've had little boxes in the church. I don't know, have anybody seen the black boxes outside? Oh, a couple. He disguised it well. Well, Joe came from this exterminator place, and we showed him all the mouse sightings that we saw. Don't get scared. <laughs> They're working. But Joe started asking questions. Boy, you can't get it any easier when somebody asks questions. So, what's this church about? I told Joe. You know what's neat? After that, he asked more questions. So I told him. And I got the chance to share what we really believe here. Joe got to hear the gospel, and I invited him to come. It's not too far, northeast Philly. Doesn't go to church. He did when he was younger. So I took the opportunity because I don't know what the Holy Spirit can use or do in Joe's heart. If, if, if the Holy Spirit wants Joe, Joe can make him come alive. He can open his eyes and take the blindness away. So we pray for that. We had an insurance lady. I love insurance people. They're as bad as car salesmen. Relentless. But over the years, because I've talked to a lot of different insurance people, you need insurance people for housing and cars and, oh, it's just, you know, dying. I have, a, I have insurance for dying. My wife gets it if I die. I don't get nothing. But that's okay. It's some things that we think are important to have. So I've over the years learned to ask them after they said their speech, and I either say yeah or nay, I don't want it. I said, tell me, do you have any life insurance beyond the grave? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Is usually the response. And I say, because I don't want to be pushy, I say, would you like me to share what I believe? And most of the time, they'll say, sure. And they'll listen. And I get a chance to share the gospel. This gal's name was Melanie. Melanie. And then she came back another time to talk to just Wayne. I was at work, and Wayne got a chance to go deeper with her. Um, God will do the work. I'm free. I don't save anybody. I'm just responsible to share the gospel. Good news, Jesus makes a difference in my life.
big time. I want to share that. We don't want to be obnoxious or pushy. You can't make somebody accept Jesus, but you can share the glorious message of what he's done for us. So as we go deeper into the book of Galatians, as we learn this, we want to begin to say too, Lord, help me understand what the gospel is. Help me to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in me to wherever I meet. Shopping center, doesn't matter. Next time you buy a car, you're going to be with that person for a while. Lord, help me to work that in. You know, wherever we go, we want to share the gospel. I grew up with a guy from Baraka Church, loved this man. Jim Stark was his name. He shared the gospel everywhere. He was not ashamed. And he, could, he had the gift of bringing up conversations. I don't have that. Sometimes we're scared, but we don't have to be. Love people. Just ask them questions. What's going on in your life? How's things going? And um, they may share with you, and you might be surprised, and you can share the hope that is within you. So then, we want to understand what the gospel is. I bring nothing to the table to earn my salvation. And I hope you get that deep within your soul. So that when we come on Sunday, what Sunday morning is about is worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords who gave himself for me and for you. Wonderful songs to sing. I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to sing again. Worship the one who purchased us by his blood. Father, we thank you for Paul's story. Um, it's legit. Uh, he was given the authority by Jesus Christ himself. And we want to listen to Paul and all the other points of Scripture of who you are. Your word teaches us who you are, Lord. Help us to hunger and thirst to know you more. As it says in Galatians, um, I want to grow in grace and the knowledge of you and your gospel. Amen.